but we, we're so thankful that we get to be here in your presence tonight, God. And Lord, we love you. That's why we come like we do, and it's to, to be in your presence, to spend time with you, to hear your word, and to worship you, love on you. Lord, tonight I pray that you would receive our worship, Lord. Let it be acceptable to you. Speak to us, Lord. Let the gifts of the Spirit flow in this place. Lord, we're not here just to have a concert or, or to listen to somebody preach. We're here to be with you, oh God. Lord, we're asking for a fresh outpouring of your Spirit that we may bring it to our churches and, and let that Spirit, Lord, just in, just revive us. Lord, our, our prayer is, is that every church in our region that preaches truth and teaches truth would have revival. So, Lord, just have your way in this place tonight. We ask this all in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree with that, I want you to say amen tonight. Amen. If you're able to stand, you can stand. We have flags down here on the front. If you use any of the flags, just leave it on your chair when you're done. We'll disinfect it uh, since we have to do that nowadays. So, but uh, hey, we're glad everybody is here. Go ahead and hallelujah. We're going to do some worship. You all right? ready? Bow down and sing 
temple. That's what we're talking tonight about. And it was fill this place, God. Fill this place. Grab some water. Hallelujah. We had to get a little exciting. You know how we are. Again. 
die to technical difficulties. There it is. Is that it? Hallelujah. If you haven't figured it out, we're praying for the glory to come down in this place tonight. I don't know about you, but I need it. I need a fresh outpouring. I need a fresh outpouring, a reviving, a refreshment, whatever you want to call it. I need his fire to fall tonight.
Let the Lord minister to you tonight. There's a mighty river flow. There's a mighty river flow. 
song that the Lord wanted me to do. It's not a praise and worship song, but it's a declaration, and I think it's speaking to someone here tonight. I know I've been having a good time with it. This was written by one of, uh, a worship leader at a church I went to many years ago. It's called Gideon Arise, and I think it's going to speak to somebody here tonight.
So I want you to go ahead and, and, and be seated tonight. I'm going to get my stuff ready here and grab your Bible because we got a lot of reading to do. We got a lot of reading to do, and I don't think I put any of it in there, but that's okay. Because I want you to get it in your Bible. Let me turn this off and move over there. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Rylan. Being our fill-in drummer tonight. Flip over to 2 Chronicles with me, because that's where we're going to read. Let me grab my shoes. We're going to read out of 2 Chronicles. Flip over to chapter 7. Um... Verse 14. A lot of us know this. Way up there. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. You can, it's in Amplified if you want to pull it up. We're going to read through both chapters. So, I don't know. But it says here, it says, And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Right? Then I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. 
We know that verse. You know, we quote it all the time. Can I tell you I'm to the point where I think we take it out of context? I really do. Yeah, but that's a pretty simple verse. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray, seek, crave, require of necessity my face, turn from their wicked ways, and will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land? We're going to go back to chapter 6, and we're going to read the whole thing. Because if you start working your way back up chapter 7, verse 13... And if I shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, this is God talking, and I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence and plague among my people and my people who are called. Okay, you got to keep going back up because we got to find out where that came from. And if we go back to chapter 6, we'll get a better understanding of that. And really where this come from, to, to, to give you an, uh, an understanding of this, is... With all the, the things that have been going on is, is bipolar, crazy, I don't know what else to call 2020. Um, you know, somebody posted a picture the other day of an ice cream truck that, w that, uh, that had ice cream and it, it had liver and onions. And they're like, yeah, that's 2020. You know, you think you're getting ice cream and you're not, you know. And, and, and I hear people constantly say this. This is all we need to do right here. And, and I know, you know, I've mentioned this before here at the church. I know there are countless millions of believers doing this. Then why hasn't it gone away? Right? If this scripture is that simple, why do we still have COVID? Why do we have all the crazy things going on in our nation and on in, in the world? But let's, we're just going to focus on our nation. And I begin to read backwards to find where all this started. And you have to go all the way back to chapter 6. And I want to do some reading. I'm going to ping some, some things. So 2 Chronicles chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 12, Micah. I want us to look at this. This is Solomon's prayer for dedicating the temple. Okay? And we're going to start reading through this and looking so that when we go back to, when we get to that point, you will have a better understanding of why God said what he did in that verse and what he was mean, what he meant. Because there are more requirements than just that. So chapter 6, verse 12. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread forth his hands. You can keep going. And For he had made a bronze scaffold, five cubits square and three cubits high, and had set it in the midst of the court upon it he stood and he knelt upon his knees before all the assembly of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. Now look at verse 14. And he said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heavens or in the earth, keeping covenant and showing mercy and loving kindness to your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. Now, yeah, hold up there. So we already have his declaration of who God is right here. Now, the next few verses, jump down to verse 19, because now he starts talking about the history of his father David and all the promises that were made, okay? Verse 19, boom. Yet have respect for the prayer of your servant and for his supplication, O Lord my God, to listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant prays before you. So here now is King Solomon requesting that God hear his prayer. Okay, he's already referred to him who he is. He came back and told God the, the promises and the covenant he made with his 
his father David, and now yet have regard for the prayer of your servant and for his supplication, O Lord my God, to listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant prays. Now, verse 20 is the prayer that he begins to pray. That your eyes may be open upon what house? The temple. That's where he's speaking to is the temple because he's doing a dedication for the temple. This house, the temple, day and night toward the place in which you have said you would put your name and the symbol of your presence to listen to and heed the prayer which your servants praise facing this place. So we're talking about the temple. Go to verse 20. No, 21. So listen to and I heed that you re- the requests of your servant and your people Israel, which they shall make facing this place. Hear from your dwelling place, heaven, and when you hear, forgive. Verse 21. So listen to, okay, 22. If a man sins against his neighbor and he is required to take an oath and he comes and takes an oath before your altar. So now we're getting into what he's asking as far as the forgivenesses. And he goes down, you know, all the, the different qu- points in here. Jump down to verse 28. You know, he, he's asking for very specific things. Solomon, I don't know if he wrote this thing out or what, but it is very specific. Like, like here, if there is a famine in the land, if, this is, if, if there is pestilence, if there is blight or mildew, if there are migratory locusts or grasshoppers, if their enemies besiege them in the land of the cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, verse 29, then whatever prayer or request is made by any man or all your people Israel, each knowing his own suffering and his own pain and stretching out his hands toward the house, verse 30, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, and forgive and render to each in accordance with all his ways, his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts and the sons of men. Look at 31. So that they may fear you to walk in your ways in obedience to you as long as they live in the land which you have given to our fathers. And then verse 32, he starts talking about the foreigners. See, he's, he's going through very diligently everything man he ain't leaving out nothing like like he could have been a lawyer today you know in all the things okay so so this is part of the prayer that he was praying over the temple as he was praying to God when he was dedicating it saying God these are the things this is what we expect of you God I guess if I can put it that way you know I don't know how else to put it go down to verse 36 When they sin against you, for there is no man who does not sin, and you are angry with them and hand them over to an enemy so that they take them away captive to a land far away or near. Verse 37, if if they take it to heart in the land where they have been taken captive and repent and pray to you in the land of, of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have done wrong and have acted wickedly. Look at verse 38 here. Now we're going to start getting into it. If they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity and pray facing the land which you have given to them and their fathers toward the city which you have chosen and toward the house which I have built for your name. Now let's look here for a second. If they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity. 
One thing I want you to notice right here, they have repented in the midst of their sin, even though they're still stuck in it. We, we a lot of times, well, I'm going to pray this prayer and God's going to take me out of it. They're still in captivity. And this was the prayer that he prayed over everybody saying, God, if we do this in captivity, we... And, and so we're starting to build a picture of what this means now. Even in the midst of being in captivity, we still repent and we turn away from our, our evil ways, even though we're still being punished. I guess in our, our society today, it would be kind of like you went to prison for committing a crime. You repented while you were there. Well, why God didn't let me out? Well, um, not yet. Not yet. So let's look verse 39. Then hear from heaven, from your dwelling place, their prayer and requests, and maintain their cause and do justice and forgive your people who have sinned against you. All right, now let's look at verse 40. Now, oh my God, I pray, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Now then arise, O Lord God, and come to your resting place. You are the ark you and the ark of your strength and power, let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let your godly ones rejoice in your goodness. Verse 42. O Lord God, do not turn away and reject the face of your anointed. Remember your loving kindness and faithfulness to your servant David. That was the prayer that he raised up. So now when you read the other prayer, it makes a little bit more sense to what the requirements were on people. See, there's requirements. I, I don't believe that if all we do is humble ourselves and pray. I really don't. Because if that's all it took, it would have happened already. But as we're going to continue on into chapter 7 now, I'm going to jump down into chapter 7. Grab my phone for you and make sure those things aren't still on cool. I have no idea where it went, so it doesn't matter. Oh, it's up there. Never mind. I forgot they're using it. So let's look at chapter, uh, chapter 7. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the Shekinah glory and the brilliance of the Lord filled the house. You can put them on 72, Robin. The priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory and brilliance of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw how the fire came down and saw the glory and brilliance of the Lord come upon the house, they bowed down on the stone pavement with their faces to the ground, they worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy and loving kindness endures forever. Now, jump down to verse 11. Because now we're talking about God's promise and his warning. And so Solomon finished the house, the temple of the Lord, and the palace of the king. He successfully accomplished all that he had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself, a house of sacrifice. Man, to be sitting there in that day. The Lord heard his prayer and he says, I have ex I'm going to make this my dwelling place. Listen, every believer... Every person that bows their heart and says, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. God, I, I commit myself to you as my Lord 
and as my Savior. I, I give you all that I am, right? That, that's, you know, we, we, pray that, we pray that prayer out of Romans, right? I'm a sinner. Forgive me. We do all of these things. And this is what happens. The Lord dwells with us, right? We are now his dwelling place. But do you think he walks into the dwelling place if it's not properly consecrated? That's why the blood of Jesus is so important. Because sacrifices had to be made. And if you go back and look in, in there, there was 122,000 sacrifices back in chapter 6 at one point, And there was like 180,000 of another one. And the altar that they had created, it, there was so much coming in, they had to just start sacrificing them on the ground because it was full. 122,000 sheep, I think is what it was says in there in chapter 6. It's crazy amount. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that can consecrate us. But here's the thing. We live our life like it doesn't matter. We walk around during our day as if we're in charge and it doesn't matter. We, we don't spend time studying his words and, and doing all the things that he has instructed us to do. We allow sins to get into our lives and we wonder why our prayers aren't heard. I believe they're heard. But I believe there's restrictions on them as well because of the fact that the things that are in our life are saying no. No. It's putting barriers between things. Let, let's look at verse 13. If I shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence and plagues among my people. Remember that? Wasn't that exactly what Solomon was praying? Lord, I'll serve you all the days of my life. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. I Forgive me and I'll serve you all the days of my life. And all of a sudden we walk back and we're sitting on the fence constantly. We're sitting here. Right here. Verse 14. And, you see, if I shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence or plague among my people. See, this is people living in sin. Going completely contrary to what God had already instructed them. The covenant they had. The promises. All of these things. And my people, look at this, are, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek Crave require as a necessity my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. But the question I ask you is, is when you go back up to the actual prayer Solomon prayed, or, or what God actually said as well, is while they're in captivity, they can be forgiven. But you know what? They still have some things they may have to work out. I still don't believe this is a plague from God. I, I, I never have. I, every plague that I read through the Bible, God is good at killing people. There's no such thing as a survival rate in a plague. Either God chose to kill you or he did not. There, there's no such thing. So I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is a plague. I never have believed this is a plague. Now, I do believe God has removed his hand of protection from us, the hedge, as he did from Job. And there are things coming against our nation now because we have fallen into some of these other areas. But see, it's not just as easy as humbling ourselves is all we got to do. Because if that's all it took, we can all get on our knees tonight and it would be gone. But I believe the thing is, is we've got to focus on what God had said and what Solomon prayed. We've got to live a righteous life. 
We can't watch everything we want on TV and expect our life to be great. We, we can't feed ourselves filth and expect good things to come out. Right? If all you did, like, I'm going to pick on somebody I know. Rylan, don't say who it is. You know who this is. All this person eats is pizza and chicken. Chicken tenders. How healthy do you think they are? Pizza and chicken tenders. And they're a nurse. <laughs> and I love him. He's a great brother. He really is. But he's got a little bit of health issues going on now. If he would have eaten some vegetables once in a while, right? You see what I'm saying? All these different things, he would have been a lot healthier. But here we say we sit in church week after week. We, we open our Bible once in a while. We pray for our food, and we wonder why our, our life is a wreck and things constantly come after us because we're not doing what he said. Look at verse 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer offered in this place. Verse 16. For now I have chosen and sanctified and set apart for my purpose this house. And that my name may be forever and forever. And my eyes and my heart will be here perpetually. Are you not the temple of the Holy Spirit? Has he not consecrated you as his house to dwell and we look back and we see the things that Solomon prayed, and we wonder why he doesn't always dwell there. I don't believe the Lord leaves us as far as salvation goes, but I believe there are things in our lives that are restricting him. There are things that are not allowing it to flow through the way it should. There are experiences we should be having with him that we can't because we are building walls. We are doing all these things. We are doing them. We and we have to own that, right? Because it's the same thing when we look over into the New Testament. Same thing. Is I, I jump over, jump over to Matthew 28. No, actually, John 14, I'm sorry. John 14, verse 11. See, I ask these questions all the time. And if you're around me much, you know that. Because I have been asking from day one, God, what do we need to do? What does your church need to do to get past this? Because I am tired of seeing believers get sick. I'm, sorry, I'm tired of seeing believers get sick. When the word specifically tells me that by his stripes we are healed. I know in the next life, but, but Jesus healed people here. So why can't we be healed here? I don't have the answer to that question, but I'm going to seek after it because I can, right? John chapter 14, verse 11. Look at this. Believe me that I am in the Father. Now, this is Jesus. And the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe me because of the very works themselves which you have witnessed. Verse 12. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, that's, if that was uh, King James, it would be verily, verily. Hey. Listen, now, is, I, I had a flashback of a youth pastor because what I really wanted to say was, hey, dummy. <laughs> As a youth pastor, I could get away with that. I try not to do that, you know. Hey, you. Yeah. Anyone who believes in me as what? Savior, where the Spirit of God is dwelling in them, will also do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these in extent and outreach, because I am going to the Father. 
And Jesus says, verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask in my name as my representative. Hmm. This will I do so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name as my representative, I will do it. See, guys, the, the thing is, is, is we, we want things the way we want them. Let me go pull something down here real quick. Uh, we want things the way we want them, but we don't pay attention to what it takes to get there. Right, we, you know, as a, as a teenager graduating high school, a lot of them want those big, great paying jobs, but they don't want to go to school. They don't want to put in the work. They want to get hired in as the boss today, and they really have no clue what they're doing. You know, I've had some of those guys that work for me before. You know, I, I had a lady that, that wanted to, to work for me, and, and she's like, listen, I need to do about 60 hours a week, you know, to make the money I need to make. I'm like, Okay. So guess what I did? I told the owner of the company, I said, hey, I said, uh, I'm going to work 60 hours for the next two weeks, which I was salary. I said, but uh, I'm going to prove to somebody that they can't work 60 hours. I end up working more than that anyway, so it didn't matter to me. So I had them there at 6 a.m. with me, and we would leave 8, 9 o'clock, five days a week, and we'd work on Saturday. By the end of the first week, they were hurting. I'm like, what's wrong? I'm, we're going all day long every day. Come on, come on, come on. Well, I, I need to take them. No, 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 we ain't got time for no breaks. By the, by the middle of the second week, I sent him home. I said, listen, you need to go home and rest because <laughs> you fix it to hurt yourself. Because you think you are who you're not. You think you can do what you can. Now, could she have eventually worked that much? I believe she could have, but you know what? It's going to take time. And we as believers, we have to focus on what God is doing. But here's the thing. We want to pray and have all our problems answered. But do we want to travail over it? The Lord told me a couple things, and I wrote this down. We don't want to travail. We just want to email. Woke me up last night, and I wrote these things down. We don't want to travail. We just want an email. I don't want to have to get on my knees and pray about it and seek his face and fast and do all the things that, that it takes to get the answer. I'm just checking my email saying, well, it should be in my inbox. <laughs> you know, I, listen. We're getting there. Don't, don't head too early. Yeah. We want a text message that says delivered, read, and then done. Right? You know, you send somebody a text message and it says it was delivered. I know they got it and it says it's read. I know they saw it. That means it's going to be done. We say we're following the scriptures, but nothing's happening. But have we truly been following? Have we? There's grace and mercy. I Trust me. I live through grace and mercy daily. That's how I'm still alive. The grace and mercy of God. That's how we're still following him. But I believe the thing is, is that if we don't focus our eyes on him to constantly be learning to get away from the things. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, Amelia. She sees a, a puddle of mud. She wants to walk into it. Why? Bentley. Same thing, right? If you see a puddle of mud, man, you want to go in. It don't matter if you got new shoes on. Why? Because that's the human nature side. It's the human nature side. And it's only until we learn that we decide to go around the puddle. The puddle is not as fun as we thought it was. We've got to focus ourselves on him and say, God, I need to focus on you more than what's going on around me. 
You know, I, when I first got saved, I heard this saying, so heavenly minded, you know earthly good. You ever heard that before? You're so heavenly minded, you know earthly good. And man, I heard that constantly from different people, you know, and, and, and it's just like, well, what's wrong with that? <laughs> but you know, it took me many years to get to the point where I said, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with, with spending as much time as I can learning the scriptures? Now, can I be honest with you? Problem was I was neglecting my family. That was a problem. And thankfully I learned that. That's why I'm still married for almost 25 years. Praise Jesus. Because there was a whole lot of grace and mercy there. Because there wasn't anybody in my life telling me, hey, 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 other than her. So that's just a side note for you guys. Trying to help y'all permit something. <laughs> so studying the scriptures that much is not a bad thing as long as it doesn't get in the way of our requirements, our responsibilities. We want the text message. How about this? God wants us to humble ourselves, but through the humbling, we will learn how to follow him more. I, I was talking to a pastor, and you know what he told me? He said, if all it took was humbling and prayer, he says, I humbled myself in front of the church and got down on my knees and bawled before the Lord. He said, if that's all it took, then we'd be past this. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I believe you, brother. God wants us to humble ourselves, but humbling ourselves just means I need him. I don't have it all figured out. I need Jesus. I need his word. I need all those things. We have to follow his commandments. We have to follow his spirit. We have to follow his voice. But we want things to happen quickly with very little action from us. We want things to happen quickly with very little work from us. Can I tell you most of the things in my life I've had to work for? I respect them a whole lot more. There's been some things that I've been handed along the way that God is, has given me. And I respect those, but not quite as much as the ones I had to go around the mountain for two or three times. And, tra you know, trans uh, drag myself through the mud as I was learning the mistakes, right? Those things as I learn. You see, we want things to happen quickly and very little action from our side. But God can and does put away more. He always does more on his side than we do. Always. All we have to do is show him. And that's where I believe that scripture, when we, when we take both chapters together, humbling ourselves, saying that, God, you are the true God. We have messed up. God, we have sinned against you. We have done these things. And then they begin to turn their life around and begin to do what he said. Then they pray and they present themselves to him. And what happens? There's change. We just want to be able to kneel, cry, pray, and see change, but we're going to get back up and go the way we came. Why do you think most of those people had to die in the wilderness? Because they would have brought that mentality straight in because he knew how hard-headed and stiff-necked they were. Right? Wasn't that Moses that called them stiff-necked in one of the translations? God, these stiff-necked people. Dead duh. <laughs> That's how we are. So I believe if, if we will focus on what God is, is really doing, praying this prayer, we will really see change. We will see change. Because in Matthew 28, and I'm going to close it up with this tonight. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 20. 
I'm going to give him a second to put that on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 28. Look at this. Verse 18. Jesus approached him and breaking the silence said to them, All authority, all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go ahead. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me, and obey my words. We want one of the three most of the time. We do two of the three if we're really doing lucky. Right? Believe in me, obey my words, and help people to learn. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of the circumstances, on every occasion, even to the end of the age. See, he's there. But we're the ones muting the, the, the system so we can't hear what he's saying. We're the ones trying to figure out how to do this on our own. Prayer that changes things happens when we allow ourselves to be changed. See, it starts here. I can't get down and pray a prayer that's going to change something if it's not coming from here. If I'm praying a prayer right here that I just wrote down, it's just here. It's in my mind. It's, it's, not, it's not something that's going to have power behind it. But when I get down on my knees and begin to pour out, we call it prayer. Some people would probably call it travail. It's coming from inside. It's, it's no longer just there. And I can remember many years ago now, I still have this towel. Nobody's allowed to mess with it. It's mine. That I had got on my knees one day in my little office. It was a living room at our house in Beaumont, Texas. And man, I had just been worshiping the Lord, and, and I was just like, Lord, you know, I need, I need forgiveness in areas. I need you to help me move past areas. It's, you know, just different things. I was growing. And I remember sitting there one night. I got on my knees, and I was just crying. I said, God, I've, I've got to know more about you. I've got to have experiences with you. I, but I have nothing to give you. Nothing. Nothing. See, that's where we start getting to that point where I knew there was nothing I could do. There was nothing left. And, and I remember I had this towel laying on my desk because we'd went to this foot washing service. And I had this little towel. And I got there, man, I'm wiping my tears as I'm just pouring it all out to the Lord. And you know what? I laid that towel on the ground. I said, Lord, I have nothing to give you but these tears. That's all I got left. I said, can you just come down and visit me tonight? That was it. And he did. Whew. That's why I don't wash that towel. I'm hoping to bring him back home. No, I'm just, we have washed it. But that's my special towel. Why? Because it has meaning to me. See, when we pour out from inside, when we humble ourselves to the point where we say, you are the creator of all and I don't know anything, and we mean it, not a get-out-of-jail-free card, not, not a, not a get-out-of-jail, not a, I'm going to go to church to change my life and it didn't work, right? Not, not that. When we get down on our knees and say, God, I have nothing left, but I need you, and we begin to pray, I can promise you, you will see things happen in your life. You will see things. Will it be everything you want? Probably not. But it will be what we need. 
I still don't understand that because sometimes I look at it saying, God, I don't know. I didn't need that. <laughs> I really, but I guess I did after all. So it doesn't make sense to me sometimes. Prayer that changes things comes from here, but there's got to be a change going on in you. If all we're doing is giving lip service, guys, it ain't going to happen. So what do we need to, to see our region changed? Prayer. But not just any old prayer. Not just praying for our food prayer. That's what I always tell people. Not just praying for our food, because most of the time that's a memorized prayer that we do anyways. <laughs> God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I tell you, I learned that prayer many, many years before I went to church. Why? Because that's what my mom and dad made us pray every night before we ate. And it was probably another 15 to 20 years before I got saved after that. <laughs> Let's let him begin to work inside of us so that when we get down in prayer, we will experience things in prayer because we're no longer just lip service on things, guys. No longer just lip service. So let me pray for us tonight. And we can go home and, and spend some time praying. Praying about church tomorrow. Could you imagine if everybody was down crying, praying for the lost to show up to a church building tomorrow? How many people would be? Whew. If people would just pray that way. Just, just you know. You know, I, you know, I told that to the Lord one day. You know, all the experiences we were having with his presence and all those things. And, you know, we were seeing... All these things go on. We were praying for people. We were seeing them. And, you know, I honestly told them, I said, Lord, I love everything you're doing. Please don't take me wrong. But if I'm not seeing people saved, I don't want it. <laughs> all the time in his presence and all of that, I don't want it if we're not seeing people saved. Because this here is just to get me, make me feel better. And I don't like that. Because it's about the lost. It's about the world. So I'm going to pray for us tonight. And, guys, we've got to get that heart. King David had that heart. Even though he messed up a bunch, didn't he? But he had that kind of a heart, and I think that's what we need, is that heart that says, God, I messed up, and I know I messed up. You know, laid out on the floor in front of him saying, just, just bawling because we know we did wrong, and we, we dishonored our father, you know. So, Lord, I, I just I thank you for your word. I thank you for all that you've done for me and what you've done in this place. But, Lord, we need to have a true experience of you, of, of repentance to a point where we truly can humble ourselves before you in a way that we've probably never done before. We need to humble ourselves before you, God, and, and just, just pour out all the things that are inside of us. And as we, as we get rid of those things, we'll begin to see change in our lives as we allow your spirit room. Allow your spirit room to work inside of us to cut the cords of areas that we have just wanted to hold on to for so long, controlling areas. Lord, I pray that you would just be with us, help us to have these moments with you, God. Lord, as we begin to pray for our nation and, and the world, Lord, we would see prayer that changes things as it comes from the inside, not just lip service because it sounds good, not because we saw it on Facebook and we liked it, but prayers that come from the inside so that we could truly stand here and say that what we ask in your name, you have been doing. Because we know it's your will and it's your word and we know we are standing righteous before you through the blood of Christ, but yet we're walking daily 
to remain that way. Lord, I pray a protection on, on every person that's here tonight. Lord, just protect us physically. Lord, bring us home tonight. Let us rest so that we can go to church tomorrow with our families and worship you and just, just rejuvenate us, Father. Put the fire down inside of us that we would want to see lost people saved and saved people pushed forward like Gideon to go out and do what he was called to do. And I ask this all in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree with that, I want you to say amen tonight. Amen, amen. Listen, I love you guys. Thank you for coming out tonight. I didn't plan on preaching that long, but God has been after me about that subject, so I knew that was something I had to deliver tonight. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for, for Ryland for filling in. So, And uh, we will see you guys in the morning at 10 o'clock. What? 9.45, so you can get a seat. So, amen. Love you guys. Thank you all again. And uh, hopefully the internet will be working. Who knows? <laughs>